1: Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land In Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. On today's episode, I am in conversation with one of LGHL's greatest living legends, Colton Denning. Colton is a wealth of all different types of college football hot takes and information. He's got a podcast that we'll talk about. He has a YouTube page that we'll talk about. And something that brings a a tear to my eye, he does EA Sports College football game previews, which sometimes are more accurate uh, than others. Um, We'll get to that. Um, He's also going to cost me quite a bit of money this season, uh, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. Um, But with three pretty tumultuous games under the Buckeyes' belts, there's really no one better to talk to than Colton. So welcome back, man.
0: Thanks for having me on again. I'm also kind of realizing a pattern here because after the Oregon loss, Patrick asked me to be on the, the BSB podcast. It was like, there's nobody better to, pre- to uh, you know, to recap this disastrous outing
1: than this. And that yeah. now this is happening. And I'm like, is this, is this just me? Is this what I am now? I'm, I mean, now, is this what you are now? I mean, this has kind of always been part of your bag. Um, yeah. You that's have, a you, good point. You have never been shy about calling out bad play and especially bad coaching um, which we've seen. But to be fair, the, the real reason I wanted to talk to you was Travion Henderson's, uh, I guess, emergence as the definitive number one back uh, in Ohio State's backfield. And to be honest, I wrote it in an article over the weekend, maybe the best running back in Ohio State history. But we're gonna, that's why I wanted to talk to you, and we'll get to that. But let's get the the bad stuff out of the way first, because I think that's what really gets Buckeye fans' blood boiling. Um, we've seen three games. None of them have been all that good or uh, inspiring, despite the fact that Ohio State's won two. You have kind of always led the charge on the Kerry Combs is in over his head uh, brigade. With the move of Kerry Combs up to the press box, giving Matt Barnes play calling responsibilities, what is your assessment as where Ohio State's defense is And do you think that these moves like I don't think anybody who I mean, I think Ohio State fans are insane. So maybe some of them thought that these changes would have immediate impacts. But like I think intelligent fans realize that if they're going to make changes, it's going to take a while for them to really take effect. Do you think that these things can actually make a difference this season or are they just kind of stuck with a shitty defense and they're just going to have to grit their teeth and bear it and hope that the offense can uh, pick up the slack?
0: I don't know, man. I think when you look at it logically, like how, if you really take a look at it, how much or how much do you believe that like this, this move isn't because of a disaster and that, oh, things will be good? Like, I I think that's the last thing that I'm even hoping for right now is like, okay, Matt Barnes is just totally going to turn it around. I think at this point, me and I'm sure a lot of other fans too would just like, Below average defensive play, and that's really all we've yeah. been asking for for the last two seasons. And it is way too early to judge. I know there's been a couple of people, Patrick included, who had who are more inclined with the X's and O stuff, who wrote a breakdown on some of the stuff Ohio State did differently against Tulsa. And we can argue all day long about single high or two safeties and what that look lo- what that looks like and how Ohio State should go. But the thing that's really just grinded my gears is that we're doing this like week three and that's the, the yeah. big, like we're past the warning sign. Now it's an actual disaster when you have to do this and you're talking about it against teams like Tulsa, like what when did Ohio state become this? I think that's, that's the thing that's really disappointed me more than anything is that we're here and it's just like, Oh, well, You know, we need time to figure this out. We're going to get better. When did Ohio State become a a defense, especially that midseason? It was like this thing is a five alarm fire. We have to figure this out. Please show patience like that's just not what Ohio State is.
1: Yeah. And to me, it became that halfway through the Urban Meyer era. And it hasn't gotten better with with Ryan Day. I wrote after the Oregon game like this is sure, Carry Combs failure on defense as defensive coordinator but this is a Ryan Day problem like th- he hired this defensive staff with literally nobody who had any kind of experience leading a defense and save Larry Johnson despite the fact that the defensive line has not been great for 2 seasons um it's not exactly a, a, a star-studded staff like you had Jeff Hafley for 1 year he bolted and you decided to replace him with a guy who I is I think you keep retweeting the fact that he said I'm not Kerry Combs said I'm not a detail-oriented guy, which <laughs> is not what you want from the guy who's in charge. But to me, this is a Ryan Day failure and, and it trickles down from there, which is frustrating. But like you said, I, I'm just hoping for enough improvement to where they are like passable. And to me, the way you do that is if you're going to suck, you might as well suck with the young guys and let the young guys in there and let them learn because the older the guys are, the less they're going to improve. So if you've got the young guys in there and they're going to take their lumps one way or the other, you might as well have the the super talented freshmen, sophomores in there so that they can hopefully improve and get better to the point where maybe next year we can have an Ohio State defense that doesn't suck in every possible way.
0: And what you said about day, I think is the most important thing because Yeah, I've been, you know, on Twitter, and I love doing this. I don't love doing this stuff about Combs. I wish Ohio State's defense was good. Yeah, 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 of course. But, like, at this point, it's just more funny than anything because, honestly, I don't blame Kerry Combs. Like, he doesn't play this deep. He doesn't have any experience doing any of this stuff. And, you know, when they put him up in the press box, I think you had retweeted it when I said that, like, Kerry Combs' main strength is he's an energy guy. Yeah. Everybody feeds off of that energy. They feed off of that juice. Wouldn't you want to have that on the sideline? Like, what? What is the point of him being in the press box if that's his main strength? And I get that maybe for financial reasons or just staffing reasons, it doesn't make sense to fire a guy midseason. But it all just kind of seems like they're reshuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. So as much as we can, you know, place the blame at Kerry. Combs and, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't have any experience. Like you said, this is all Ryan Day controls everything here. And he was the one who hired a guy who didn't have any experience and continues to have certain guys on the defensive staff that maybe shouldn't be there. We could argue about that all day. But at the end of it, it's Ryan Day's thing. And and that's really, I think, the subject that we're getting to as this season is, is going on and we'll see what happens for the rest of Ohio state season. But to me, it just all comes back to Ryan day and accountability. And the, the thing he said a couple of weeks ago that really irked me was um, that quote, I think it was after the Oregon game of like, well, now I have to spend time away from the offense to help get this fixed. You're the head coach, dude. You're like, you're not the offensive coordinator anymore. Like, sorry, that's a part yeah. of the job. And I know that he wants to stick to the offense and, Ideally, that's what Ryan Day should be doing because he's one of the best at it. But hey, man, like that, you're the head coach. Like you you don't just sit in the offensive meetings anymore. And if you're going to worry about stuff like that, don't hire a defensive coordinator who doesn't have any experience running the system that you want to run. Maybe then you won't have to spend more time with the offense or less time with the offense.
1: Yeah, and and that actually goes into another one of my issues with how Ryan Day has handled his staff. Like, I know Ryan Day wants to be on offense. Like you said, he's a great offensive coach. He's a great quarterbacks coach, but he is the head coach. And it, it also bothered me when he hires a former triple option wide receiver to be the quarterback's coach which basically was just like doing a friend a favor and hiring urban Meyer's son-in-law because ryan day knew that he was going to essentially be the quarterback's coach like i get that he's good but i want him to be the head coach i want him to have somebody who knows how to play quarterback as the quarterback's coach and so far we have not seen uh the type of quarterback play that you would expect from a room where you have three highly touted guys, and then you throw Quinn Ewers in, who I don't think is really in the mix to play a significant amount of time this year, at least not yet. So, But you essentially have four really highly recruited guys in that room, and C.J. Stroud has been less than impressive. Now, I don't know what your thoughts are on C.J. Stroud. Early on in the season, I was firmly in the Stroud camp. I thought he showed that he had um, the ability to play, but over you know, we've seen it gradually getting worse. I think something's wrong. I, I I think that it's fine if he sits down a little bit and lets his shoulder get healthy, even if he remains the number one quarterback. If Day says he's the number one for a reason, I'll believe him until I'm shown a reason otherwise. But like this has just been bungled in every single imaginable way. And I, I can't get over that fact because it just feels like we're living the second half of the Urban Meyer era over again.
0: Yeah. And I think the shoulder thing is the key because he just doesn't look right. Like it's not normal. Even I forget who it was. It was somebody on the Ohio state beat was putting out video of him in warmups as he was throwing and he was just letting his shoulder hang. And it feels like they're really downplaying this. And Stroud had that really weird quote after the game where he was like, yeah, my shoulder hurts, but life hurts. (laughs) <laughs> and this is the. This that's is like the a. Point
1: that, that's something like a fifty-five-year-old man says, not a not a nineteen-year-old yeah, quarterback. And I appreciate the grit and the toughness. And he closed totally. that press
0: press conference out by saying, "Hey, I know I'm a great player, and I'm going to be a great player here." And I love that. But there's something that isn't right right now, and and that's really what it comes back to with all of this. Is like this should be the point of the season where they're playing depth because they can and to get experience, not because they have to. We right. shouldn't be talking about Kyle McCord being in the game because the offense looks disjointed and the passing game can't figure out a way how to work against Tulsa's funky three-three-five defense. That shouldn't be a thing. And now we go into Akron with all of these questions and hopefully we see some young guys, not because like, oh, uh, we don't know how the, if the starters are any good. Hopefully they finally have a lead, which they haven't had basically since 2019 to be able to play any of these young guys. And to me, you bring up um, Corey Dennis and the quarterback coaching, and it just all comes back to accountability, because whether it's Day or Combs, since the start of 2020, and hey, you know we've all gone through it in our own way with the pandemic, all this staff has done is complain and make excuses for stuff. Whether it was Combs saying, oh, we can't teach players on Zoom. And meanwhile, I think it was mm-hmm. Malachi Moore, one of the one of the freshman defensive backs for Alabama, famously last year, like learned their whole system through Zoom and their whole defensive secondary. And all the young guys talked about how they made the most of what they were able to do on Zoom. And meanwhile, Kerry Combs was like, I can't teach this. There's no way I can do this. <laughs> and then there was COVID, and oh, we can't practice. And then this season came around, they had a full fall camp. They had all of spring ball to get things right. And it just kind of seems like there's excuse after excuse as to why this thing isn't working And Ohio state. Isn't a place where you don't look good against Tulsa on offense. And you're like, well, Tulsa is a great team. They have a really great scheme. And, you know, we couldn't figure out how to get Chris Olave literally a single catch. And I know he had the one that got taken back, but it just all doesn't make a lot of sense, and I'm not, I'm not fully throwing the panic button on the season. But at some point, like if we're seeing this against Tulsa, how is this going to look against an improved Michigan State? How is this going to look against? what appears to be a very competent at least Penn State team how's it going to look against what looks like a very fired up Michigan team even Rutgers that game
1: is on the I road know. right like, i was like maryland maryland's 3 and 02 i'm yeah. like oh, this is that's scary to me as well if they if they have these struggles against tulsa
0: it's going to be a long conference slate ahead of them and you know i have faith that there are certain things that can get fixed offensively. I'm, I have less faith about the defense, but I really think we're at an inflection point early in Ryan days. Tenure here are really like the first real inflection point of his tenure as to like, he needs to make some hard decisions and he needs to take some accountability and fix this thing because it's not going great right now.
1: No, it's really, it's really, really not. One thing that is going great though, is Trevion Henderson's first three games. Uh, at Ohio State and the reason I wanted to to really talk to you about this is because we talked about this the last time you were on over the summer you pledged to donate 50 cents to the food equality initiative for every yard that Travion Henderson rushes this year I jumped on it to do it as well Um, Alexis Chasen our former colleague at land grant is, is is in on this as well here's the problem (laughs) (laughs) yes there is a problem dude's already got 346 yards through three games that's we're already like ponying up 173 bucks like i'm worried about dishing out a thousand bucks over this like he's i mean we knew he was good but he's already the number one back if he's if he if there is any type of rotation other than to get him a breather ryan day needs to be run out of town on rails because he's clearly (laughs) the best running back on the team I'm a little worried about having to break into that savings account to uh, pony up some legitimate cash here at the end of the season, Colton.
0: I am more than worried. And it's funny <laughs> because when I when I came up with this idea, I was telling my girlfriend and she was like, "Are he, you know he's a freshman so maybe you're not going to have to pay that much." And I was like, "No, he's going to he's going to do some things." And then she was like, "Why don't you just make it 25 cents?" And for some reason, I was like, "No, it'll be all right." And through the first week, 3 weeks of the season, it's at 216 dollars and 50 cents. Oh,
1: are we counting receiving yards too? I was doing total.
0: You guys can do rushing because Uh, it is uh, a lot. And like, I had a couple of people that replied to me that was like, wow, you're donating that much. And I had to make it clear. Like I don't have really the money to to donate a ton, but this is a cause that is so important to me. And I deal with in my own life and is such a big deal to me that I'm like, you know what, if I'm going to, just sit around and drink beer every college football Saturday and, and make jokes and make fun of people, I might as well turn it into a positive. And this is a way to turn it into a positive. And it's something that I really support and, you know, love being a part of. And if it can help people with these issues, then you know what, the, the more the merrier, like I said, we're all going through it right now. And to hopefully give people access to safe and healthy food, like what's what's a little less money in my bank account.
1: I will say I will. Maybe I'm going to save you some money here because on your tweet that started this for May 22nd of this year, you did say, and this is a quote, donating 50 cents to at food equality for every rushing yard. Travion Mm, Henderson picks up the season. You can, you can add in the receiving if you want, but just in terms of like the contractually binding text that you sent out, uh, you did say rushing yards. So not that that's I want to take money away from the food equality initiative, but just for your own benefit. Uh, well, the problem is yet Or last week, it was, you know, he had five receiving yards,
0: 277 rushing yards. Yeah, but not as long difference. as he's doing that, that means some good things are happening for Ohio state. And like you said, if he's able to put up 200 yards, that means he's in the game and there aren't other running backs uh, that are in his place. And, it means, I guess, at this point, that he's practicing well because that's that's the only way guys can get into the game. I guess Seven Banks isn't practicing well, but he's not injured. I, I don't
1: know. <laughs> I don't even want to. I don't even want to get into some <laughs> of the conspiracy theories with Seven Banks. Um, but about Henderson, like I, I am old enough. Like I was a senior during Maurice Claret's freshman, like his one season uh, at Ohio State we've been through Ezekiel Elliott and J.K. Dobbins in recent years to me like Henderson has all the best qualities of all of those running backs he's fast he's tough he's elusive we saw him have that one touchdown where he like mid court you know killer crossover shoulder sh- shook a guy out of the way and ended up running in for the touchdown like he seems to have it all and again it was Tulsa so you don't want to get too excited but he just seems to have all of the best qualities of some of the best Ohio state running backs of the 21st century. How good can this guy be? Are we overreacting by saying that like he could be like the equivalent of Justin Fields at the running back position? Like this recent guy who is quite possibly the best to ever do it in Scarlet and gray.
0: Maybe it's still,
1: it's still so early
0: though, but I think the evidence starts to mount up little by little when he commits to Ohio State, and then you hear people within the recruiting community say certain things. I heard a couple of, I think it was top people at 24-7 and even Ari Wasserman that were like, this guy is on par with you know Reggie Bush coming out of high school. And then I thought uh, at the start of the Minnesota game, it was either in the second quarter or the third quarter when he was returning one of those kicks, uh, Joel Clatt and Gus Johnson were saying, You know, we've never had a coaching staff talk to us about a freshman the way that they the Ohio State coaches talked about Travion Henderson and then day saying that, you know, all of his talent speaks for itself. What he's able to do on the field speaks for itself. But the best part of him is that he's extremely coachable and he's so low maintenance. So even the stuff that's just like the intangibles about the game, it seems like this kid has. And the potential is absolutely there. And some of the moves that he's already making, I mean, he said after the Tulsa game, like I'm I'm going to get better, which is such a scary (laughs) thought. But we need to see it in a big game. We need to see it in those, you know, Michigan State type games or Penn State or Michigan, because that's really at a place like Ohio State where you make your legacy. And there's going to be a point this season, definitely this season where the game is on the line. And that's where we haven't, really seen him yet with the game on the line and he's going to be the one to make a play and that's where the legacy goes beyond just hey he had this really crazy game against Tulsa and like goes to Travion Henderson won the game single-handedly against Michigan or something like that but through three games I'm I thought he was going to be awesome and I'm blown away at just how awesome he is
1: yeah, it, it, you love to see the freshmen getting time and making the most of it. Uh, unfortunately, we it took a while to get some of the freshmen in the, into the game this season, but that's a conversation for another day. What I want to talk about from here, Colton, is what you were doing during the season um, to kind of keep your blogger, podcaster uh, juices flowing you have uh, the, the two Stripes podcast you've got your website and you're doing the the video previews and some some other previews and I, we'll get to some of those simulations but I want to talk about your dumb picks of the week because your dumb <laughs> picks of the week were pretty damn good last week. you, you I think you took the gators um, uh, against the spread did you not? I did that that turned out pretty well. I believe you took Michigan State with the points against Miami, did you not?
0: I took them damn outright to win.
1: Yeah, that that worked out. You took Purdue plus 7. That didn't work out, but that was pretty damn like I was impressed with Purdue hanging tough um for for that long. So like your three dumb picks ended up not being so dumb. Um so as you kind of look across this college football landscape, What are some of like the dumb teams that you think are actually going to end up being pretty good this year, despite the fact that most of the time we just make fun of them?
0: Oh, gosh, I would have to think. I mean, if you look around the country, like watching these first three weeks, there's been some really good football and some really bad football. Like, I don't know about you, but I've been extremely entertained with this season so totally. far like yeah. I I thought that this season outside of just what Ohio State has done and how frustrating that's been I've really enjoyed it because there's been close games and we've seen some top teams go down we've seen some top teams look bad Clemson being kind of in that same boat as Ohio State and I don't know if it feels open I mean I know that you know Al- the whole talk after the Alabama Florida game was like oh Alabama looks mortal i mean we're three weeks into the season we'll have to figure that out but i think it's just been very refreshing and fun and maybe part of that is due to just how crazy and and terrible last season was with just everything hanging over but i guess just looking at teams in the big Ten first, like wisconsin right now is one and one and they haven't looked particularly good they look terrible on offense against penn state they have a really good chance this weekend to kind of make a statement with Notre Dame in that game Mm -hmm. against Chicago. I think that game's going to be really fun. And like I said with the Purdue thing in reference to the Notre Dame game last week for dumb picks of the week, I'm still – I'm half in, half out on Notre Dame because it seems like for the first time ever, or at least, you know, since we were in this new era of college football, Notre Dame has – Two or three guys who were you know legitimately you look at them and you're like okay that kid could play anywhere kyle hamilton awesome safety kyron williams incredible running back so they have the top end talent and this is the type of game against a wisconsin team that's physical and always seems to find a way to win games like this where notre dame to me can really kind of take a step forward of like okay they're an actual team to sort of be reckoned with, but I I have my eye on Wisconsin because like, it's the most obvious thing in the world, but they always improve as the season goes on. So I'll say Wisconsin right now is the one dumb team that I'm kind of looking out for near the end of the season.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's totally fair for all of Wisconsin's faults. And there are many in that program. um, They never kind of wane at the end of the season. They always end up playing their best football towards the end of the year, but um, let, let's talk about your simulations because I, I watched the Ohio state Tulsa simulation. You're using NCAA, uh, 08. which why 08? why that version of the video game compared to like, cause I think it was 14 the last year. 14
0: was the last year.
1: I don't have
0: 14 and I don't like okay. 14. I didn't like any of the newer gen, um, NCAA games versions. Yeah. And so I never really played those. My favorite of all time was 07. And I tried to start doing this for the 2020 season. And the only reason I use 08, this is like the most nerdy shit of all time. (laughs) 07 will let you edit names, but it won't let you edit positions. And so the numbers get all thrown off. And Uh, I bought 08 online and just to see if it would like let you have more freedom editing. And so it lets you, edit which is really nice but the one thing that's kind of disappointing is you have to like to get the numbers right if say there are two players on ohio state that wear the same number but they're on different sides of the ball you have to be able to first of all the team in the game has to have like two number five so you have garrett wilson and then somebody else that wears five and you have to make both of them five but if there's only one you can't add a second five And if you get rid of one, if you change, if you have two fives in the game and you change one to another player, you can't get the five back. So like you really, it's like untangling a huge web. And I spent, you know, five months just putting, putting names in really, that's all I was doing for all of these rosters. And so like, it's still not really done. And as I'm going through the weeks, I'm still having to put like, you know, heights and weights. And that's the easy part is trying to, get somewhat right on, on like attributes, especially for like, I don't know what to do for a team like Akron. Like I'm still working on them <laughs> this week. How do I, How what speed do I put Akron's starting left guard at? So it's like, is he a 60? I, I have no idea. And so I got a pro football uh, focused subscription just like for the sole purpose of seeing what the grades are for some of these guys, like blocking wise and stuff. So I can just like throw it all together, oh, but it's, it's definitely the hardest thing I've ever worked on but as i've kind of gotten used to it the last three weeks simulating it it's been a lot of fun to just like throw it on let the video roll for itself and to see what happens
1: yeah that's the problem you throw it on there and you get like what was it like 66 to 14 or something is what the tulsa simulation uh put out that 66 to 21 ah okay i took a a touchdown away from tulsa i apologize that i mean it ended up being a fairly decent game, 41 for Ohio State, but, I mean, you gave me a little bit of false sense of security there, Colton. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, th- I thought this was going to be a little bit of a of a better game for the Buckeyes. H- how have these simulations been uh, for all three games as uh, the season started? Have they been at all accurate since Ohio State apparently sucks more than we thought they would in real life?
0: Yeah, the Minnesota one was like 42-17, to 17, which ended up, I I don't remember the actual Minnesota score, but it was kind of similar to that. It was like 42 to 20, something like that. Yeah. The Oregon one had Ohio State 37-35. So it hit Oregon right on the head, and Oregon had a chance in that one with a late Hail Mary. Could have won that game. I almost wish the simulation would have picked Oregon, just to say, like, if Ohio State was going to lose, at least I could say the simulation was right. Yeah. (laughs) But it's been it's been fun to see kind of what happens. And like, I've had to try to make the playbooks similar to what teams run. And like the game loves to do these like jet sweep handoffs to receivers. And then there'll be kickoff returns for touchdowns and stuff that just like doesn't happens, happen yeah. as much. Yeah. It never happens anymore. It happens super rare, but it, it's been fun to to put it out there and then to get feedback from people. And then like, I was able to roast a couple of people, And the last one, which was cool. So as it goes on, like I'm kind of making it not a parody of itself, but it's like very meta and that like we all kind of get the joke and know what it is. And it's not actually like, here's what's going to happen in the Ohio State game from this video game 13 years ago.
1: Yeah. And the, the, the videos you're putting out are only like five minutes long. So like you can get a good sense of it with the, with not only of what actually happened in the simulation, but your very specific brand of, uh, analysis and humor, which is always much appreciated. And we'll, we'll wrap it up, uh, with that. You, you are back to doing the two stripes podcast you have often, when doing podcasts here at Land Grant, had a co-host. Although you've done a number, I think you did a whole season by yourself for the most part. For people who haven't listened yet, what is this version of the Two Stripes podcast like? Is it, is it all Ohio State focused? Is it you know is it analysis about the Buckeyes? Is it all college football? What are you bringing when you put out each episode?
0: Well, I'm doing uh two, three a week in Ohio State preview. So like I'll have the Akron preview probably up tomorrow and then a recap after that one. And then I'll do the regular two stripes. That's just like a, a weekly preview of some of the games that I'm watching and stuff you should keep your eye on. And like not 20 minutes of Alabama, Florida talk because everybody's going to watch that game. But like some yeah. other stuff that might be going on, like I talked a little bit about, Uh, Memphis and Mississippi State last week and that game ended up being really fun so I I still have the regular two stripes and then within that there's like a subset I I call scarlet and gray stripes and that's the Ohio State uh, preview and recap stuff like I was doing um, in 2019 solo and I gotta say man I've been in radio slash broadcasting and doing that stuff since I mean since I was in college starting in 2008 I have never not hated solo hosting. It is so tough. And like the people that can do it live, kudos yeah. to them. And just like the the guy, you can tell who's psycho and who's like a real egomaniac by if they have like a three hour radio show that's just solo yeah. because it's so tough. And, uh, you know, I try to get questions in on the recap podcast, but as much as it, it is like, recapping Ohio state and kind of getting the analysis out there. It's trying to help myself get stronger in solo hosting, which is just incredibly hard.
1: Yeah. I, for a season or two, I did a solo show, on like the like the morning of game days, and I would script out the entire thing, and I would take hours to edit, and I was like, "Well, this is not fun, and I'm not doing this anymore." So I, it is so don't blame you, it is so hard, uh, and especially if you're like a like I didn't need it to be perfect, but I didn't want it to be wonky either. So like I stressed over the whole thing. It's it's too much. I can't do that anymore. So I much preferred <laughs> this where you're having a conversation with somebody. So I admire the fact that you're able to do it at all. And I appreciate that you're trying to get better, but um, to wrap up, what, what do you think happens the rest of the season for Ohio state? Do things turn around at least in some small way? Do you think that there, you said earlier that this is like an inflection point in the season. Do you think that Ryan day and his coaching staff and his players make a some sort of turnaround where do they end up are they a, are they an 8 and 4 regular season team or are they an 11 and 1 regular season team
0: uh, it's the worst answer but i don't know like we have to see and what i said earlier is the thing that scares me the most is like this Akron game in games like this have always been games where it's like, Oh, I can't wait to see the four string running back, or I can't wait to see what some of these young players do. But the fact that we're actually talking about this Akron game of like, we need to see things. We need to learn about Ohio state's starters and how they're going to look going into conference play is really scary. And I still think we're early enough into the season where things can change. I'm, I have more faith that the offense You know, even if there are times where it looks disjointed and, you know, Stroud isn't hitting on deep balls or whatever, whatever it may be, the offensive line isn't as strong as we thought it was, they're just good enough and they're better than people talent-wise to be able to win. And maybe that's just going to be the thing with this team again. And that's kind of what I railed on in the Tulsa recap podcast, is it looks, like you said, a lot like the back half of the Urban Meyer era, where the best thing about that those teams and their biggest strength was just that they had more talent. They had more blue chip recruits that, you know, they were able to develop at least a little bit. And those guys are really good. And even if you have coaching mishaps, that's going to more oftentimes than not win you games. But this season we talked about how the middle part of the big 10 looks a lot stronger. A team like Michigan state, Ohio state isn't just going to be able to come out and look, lackadaisical and lacking energy, which is another thing that's very scary about this team. There's just no juice anywhere. Uh, A team like Michigan state isn't going to have that. They're going to run them into the ground. And I think that this team will probably be a double digit win team, but I would not be shocked to see one game. Like we saw the Purdue game in whatever year that was in the Iowa game in 2017, where they, don't start off strong, and the other team does, and they just get absolutely shellacked because the Oregon game could have turned into that, but they were able to yeah. fight through it. But if they keep playing with no energy, they they don't start quarters or halves off with any sort of juice, they can't score points on opening drives, at some point, another one of these teams is going to look at Ohio State like chum and just eat them up. And that's where, to me, I'm really concerned. And I wouldn't be shocked to see another game like that on the schedule. And at that point, like that shouldn't be the thing to wake this team up. The Oregon game and how they played defensively against Minnesota should have been the thing to wake this whole team up. And it seems like they still haven't gotten there yet. And that's what's most worrying to me.
1: Yeah. Hopefully they do. Uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed and hoping that this season is uh, much more like 2014 than, uh, I don't know, 2011 or, or whatever the last really bad Ohio state season was. But, uh, also can we get like some new field turf? That's a whole nother conversation, oh, but God, that that's embarrassing. <laughs> Anyway, everybody, that's all we've got. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land in conversation. Colton, I can't appreciate—I uh, can't tell how much I appreciate you jumping on uh, every few months. It is much appreciated. Obviously, you are the go-to guy for all f- current and former land grant people hosting podcasts. Whenever something goes wrong, so uh, hopefully nothing else goes wrong this season, <laughs> and you can focus on your own show. But uh, we will have a link to. Uh, Colton's YouTube page, to his website, to his podcast, and of course to his Twitter account at Dubsco, D U B S C O, in the show notes and in the article version of Land Grant Holy Land. If you are finding this episode on the website, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're doing at least one episode every single day, every day of the week. Seven days a week, it's it's absurd and it's stupid, but we would appreciate you subscribing. Also, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at Land Grant Thirty Three, and you can find me at bww Matt. Again, thanks for listening. We of course will talk to you soon, and as always, go bucks.